Greetings and salutations, listeners. This is episode 79 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I'm joined by Dave. Hello, sir. Hello, Cam. How are you? Uh, you know? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Another Tuesday finds us both well. Yes. Indeed. I'm now under three weeks away from potential... Well, potentially under three weeks from certain fatherhood, unless <laughs> something tragic happens. But hey, that's not how we want to start the start the show. <laughs> but yes, I am. I slept in on Saturday and on Sunday. Went to second service, cha-ching, because I was like, I'm not going to have many more weekends where I can do this. No. So I took advantage of it, and it was glorious. I like my sleep, Dave. I do too. You know what else I like? What's that? The Bible. <laughs> It's the book good. for me. Sometimes. Sometimes I ignore it. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another sad note. <laughs> Maybe I'm feeling rather melancholy. I'm not quite sure, but hey, we're here, and we've got what I think is a very, very familiar passage, but I think one that perhaps suffers from familiarity, at least in my estimation, with what it actually means. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh-huh. And that passage is Matthew 22, 34 through 40, the great commandment. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we read? No, I do. All right. Okay, so Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Thank you, sir. Welcome. All right. Where should we begin? There's, there's a lot to... Uh... There's a lot to cover here, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, the uh, the introductory phrase. And this, this kind of just seems like it's tagging along with what we talked about last week and the week before that, even the section that we skipped where the Sadducees ask him about you know, marriage and heaven and um, that sort of stuff. It says, when the Pharisees had heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. So they shut the Pharisees down, then scribes and the writers, then the Sadducees, and they said, okay, enough is enough. we got to figure out how we're going to get this guy. Like, they can't just quit. It's like when Jesus just, you know, shuts them down. It's like a little domino effect until they can't handle it anymore. Um, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. So it's like they're, they're still trying to stump him, and they're taking the uh, rejection or the, um, not even the rejection, but the... Uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? God, he's like putting them in their place, but I can't think of the right term. Anyways, when they get shut down, they they run back into their corner and try and figure out a way to to one up Jesus or to make him look bad. And it just it again, and I know I've said this before in previous episodes, the audacity or the hubris they have that they can actually pull this off, even though every single time they've tried to do it, he's put them in their spot. Mm-hmm. Like, we gotta, get, we gotta get this guy, we gotta get this guy. And they're so focused on 
proving him wrong and making themselves look good and smart in front of the people that it's almost as if they don't even consider the fact that they could be wrong and he could be right. Right. And, you know, I feel like this is the theme we've been talking about for a while, but just why is that, you know, I mean, I'll speak for myself. Why is it my nature to think that I'm right (laughs) when someone else is um, smarter, more educated, you know, fully God, Chances are, you know, he's going to be right every single time. It doesn't matter if I think that I'm right. Mm-hmm. If I'm going against what he says is right, then I still, I can't be right. And uh, when I, when I see that in the Pharisees, again, I want to laugh at them and be like, ha you're an idiot. You're dumb. You don't see what's going on. When, again, to repeat myself, you know, a few podcast episodes in a row, I am that way. So, you know, just another reminder that I'm a, a broken individual, David. Yes. You're not supposed to agree. <laughs> not while I'm broken as well. <laughs> I, I guess one of the things that just stands out to me is the the previous questioning, and we've gone from the Sadducees to the Pharisees, as you mentioned. And so I think there was kind of this sense of, ah, oh, they failed. Now it's it's our turn. But there's like the kind of the previous questions and one of the verses that we skipped was dealing with the resurrection and who will be married in heaven. And then, um, the, uh, a couple weeks ago talking about, or was it last week we talked about give under Caesar? No, it was, that was last week. Was it last week? Yeah. It wasn't two weeks ago. Oh it was, my. It was a whole week ago, Dave. It's a whole week ago. I, I feel like those questions sort of had like they were, they were trying to corner him. They were trying to get him. Mm-hmm. And this one seems fairly straightforward to me. Like I'm, I'm not a, an old Testament scholar. I have read the old Testament a couple of different times. And this, the great, the, uh, I can't remember what it's referred to here on our, the great commandment. Mm-hmm. It, that is throughout the Old Testament. It's all over the place in there. So I feel like this is a question that, um, you know, and uh, the lawyer asked a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And I, I guess I'm a little bit confused as to what it is exactly that they were testing him on. Uh, I mean, my my initial guess is his knowledge of the law. If he claims to be a rabbi, then maybe. I guess that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I don't know the Old Testament, but I, I mean. Oh, there was a lot of laws. <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, you know, you take in the, the Ten Commandments. First of all, you got to pick between those. And I think without being able to really articulate it, I think you are correct in the sense that it seems like a pretty easy question, but I feel like that's not necessarily the case. And I can't tell you why I feel like it's either a sermon or a book or a um, commentary that I read when I was in school that talked about this. Uh, But again, I off the top of my head, I can't give you a, you know, author or uh, a source for that, which is really lazy. <laughs> Probably should do a little more preparation for this. Um, 
But yeah, I think at first glance, it's like, oh, any rabbi would know that. But at the same time, I also feel like it's kind of like the, uh, this give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God's what is God. Like it's, it's meant to make him choose sides, but I'm not going to fall on my sword for that answer. But I guess the thing, I, I guess what I, I like when he says this, like, were they expecting him to give a different, like, I, I feel like this is the answer they were expecting him to give. I wouldn't give him that much credit. Really? I feel like it's the answer I expect him to give because I've heard this 9,000 times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, as, a, as an eight-year-old, I could say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Mm-hmm. And it just it gets so ingrained to me. Um, now, I'm again, I could be wrong about that, but uh, I feel like he could have said, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. He could have said, uh, you know, do not commit adultery. Not that, like, that's, I mean, something you shouldn't do, but I also think it's interesting that they ask him what the greatest, uh, which is the great commandment in the law, mm-hmm. trying to differentiate between you know, like put a hierarchy in the commandments as if, you know, if I break a lower commandment, it's less of a problem than if I break one of these big ones. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, and I could be reading a whole lot into this. And if that's the case, you know, Dave, you can let me know or listeners can, (laughs) um, you know, we get back to Dallas Willard and the gospel of sin management. and, And, you know, it's not really a big deal if I have these little ones and Jesus died to help me manage my sin and my guilt and all that stuff. Well, it's like, if, well, if I have this great commandment and these other ones that aren't great, they're just normal or lesser commandments, then perhaps I can, you know, build this system where I focus on the biggies, not the little ones slide. I don't know. I'm totally projecting onto these poor Pharisees again. Because, you know, and by him saying, here's the greatest commandment, and the second is like it, or I'm not using my own. Yeah, the second is like it. Uh, love your neighbors yourself. I mean, the, two, the Ten Commandments can be, you know, because at the end it says all law, and the, of these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. So if you just go with the Ten Commandments to start off with, which you mentioned, um, you know, you take the first three of the Ten Commandments. Well, that certainly is of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. And then the second, well, that's pretty much everything else. No murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, you know. So, yeah. I'm with you on that. And I, get, I mean, that, sum, that uh, summary statement in the end, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It's as if he said... You probably have more questions, but let me just nib all those in the bud right now. Here you go. Try and prove me wrong now. See if you can find anywhere in the Law and the Prophets where these two don't cover it. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, it makes absolute sense. W- what does God want most from us? To love him with everything that we have. Mm-hmm. And then how does he want us to live? By showing the love we have for him to the people around us. Right. And when you break it down like that, 
I begin to wonder, why in the world do we make it so hard on ourselves to do this sort of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think that obviously it's hard to do these things because of uh, our desire to sin. But I also think that we put a lot of barriers in our own way to do these things. Well, if I want to love God with all my heart, my soul, and mind, then I need to go to church on Sundays and teach at Awanas on Wednesdays and volunteer in the nursery and host a Bible study on Tuesday nights and, you know, make sure my kids are in youth group and make sure I read the latest, you know, uh, Stephen Furtick book or like we make this just gargantuanly long list of things that we need to do. And if I want to love my neighbor as myself, then I need to shovel their snow and I need to invite them over for the barbecue. And I need like, it, it just forgot, all seems like forgot to host my podcast and all that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I must, <laughs> I must bring this annoying guy over to my house every week and let him talk into a microphone. <laughs> Thanks Dave. Uh, and, and I mean, I'm being a little snarky, uh, and I, I can't help that. It's a character flaw. But it it just seems to me that so many times when I read uh, books by people who don't have wisdom compared to people like uh, J.I. Packer or Dallas Willard, you know, or some of the older... Um, Baxter and um, I'm, I'm drawing blanks now, but some of the older classics that have stood the test of time, mm-hmm. centuries. When you read those books, it is less about, and you hear their sermons and their their lectures. It is less about um, how do I apply the Bible to my life? How do I make it practical? How do I make a three point, you know? Uh, applicable but yet fr- uh, seeker-friendly sermon, and it is more about opening up the Word of God and just dwelling on that and letting it sink in. Because what it looks like for you to follow Jesus at your job is a lot different than what it looks like at my job, mm-hmm. because our jobs are completely different. You enforce the law. Oftentimes on people that don't want you to enforce the law. Mm-hmm. I sit behind a computer and I make websites really, really awesome. <laughs> you fight bad guys, I fight code. Like, it's totally different. <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, we would make such a good superhero pair. You could be the superhero and I could be the nerd <laughs> with all the awesome computers with a really cheesy nickname. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe our days are past <laughs> us, Dave. But my Definitely point is, mine. my point in, in all of this silliness is to try and actually be serious about this one point is that when you hear good wise and true teaching of what it means to be a child of God it is so often about God and who he is and what he has done and far less so about how it applies to our lives as if he's some sort of bolt-on to what we're doing. Yeah. Which is the completely wrong perspective to have. And yet, so often, I feel like that's what we get in a lot of the popular books and a lot of the popular um, preachers. Like, I know we pick on Joel Osteen all the time, and I kind of feel bad about it sometimes. But then other days, I'm like, no, I don't feel bad because... 
really don't feel like he's doing a, what he should be doing. But if you look at a lot of the most popular Christian books nowadays, it's glorified self-help. It has, oh, it has nothing to do with the goodness, the greatness, the glory, the majesty of God. And if you go back and you read books by J.I. Packer, um, by um, Dallas Willard, by C.S. Lewis, by Dietrich, Bonh- Dietrich Bonhoeffer, <laughs> and I'm trying to even go back further than that to like some of the Puritans, like um, uh, Edwards um, and you know Martin Luther and John Calvin, which is way—I mean, that's Reformation era stuff. Um, Church fathers. If when you when you read Paul. Paul does have certain practical parts of his uh, letters when he's addressing very specific people. But read Romans. That is not a uh, three, four, or five point applicable sermon. That is a deep dive into the theology of God and the kingdom of God and justification and sanctification and glory. I mean, stuff that nowadays people don't say in church because it scares people away. Because it's big words and it's a lot to think about. And I just, my, what I love about this answer is that at the same time, it is quick and it is easy to memorize and remember. Like I said, when I was eight, I was repeating this. Yet at the same time, it is incredibly deep and all encompassing for what a life with God looks like in a way that no sermon I've ever heard can encompass it. And again, Jesus does it in two sentences. Like, do you ever think he got sick of just being so good at this? No. Did, did that make sense? Um. Oh, it didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it made it. It made sense. Um, do you disagree with me? Well, I guess um, I guess I need clarification. So you feel like Jesus is summing these this up with the this answer or summing what up? The greatest commandment. Like, it's it's his words, it's his... Um, well, no, what I'm saying is, I mean, to his point, at the very end, on these two commandments depend all, all the law and the prophets. My, my, point is oh, that, okay. my point is that he's saying he has the ability within two sentences sure. to get to the core of what it means to be a child of God and to live like one. Mm-hmm. So he can sum up the entire Old Testament, what these Pharisees have studied their entire lives for, Mm -hmm. to memorize and to teach, and in a quick two sentences, he can say, here you go. That's what you you need to do. Yeah. And so my point is... So yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I guess just to um, summarize, my point is that I find it very common nowadays that sermons and books that are, you know factors of 10 longer than those two sentences have far little to say in comparison to what he says in two sentences. So it is at once very easy to understand and yet very, very, very deep and difficult to grasp. Right. And that to me is what Jesus does when he engages with the Pharisees Mm -hmm. is very quickly and simply disarms them yet leaves us this wise theological gem to just chip away at until you know, he can reveal the truth to us. Mm-hmm. And so my, my whole thing about this is I miss, like, I want more of this sort of teaching. 
And I realize not everyone can teach like this. And there are plenty of pastors out there that love Jesus and are doing what God calls them to do and are making a difference for the kingdom of God that just can't teach like this. And that's not a, a knock on them because this is the son of God who changed, you know, the existence of the universe when he died. And so that's, you know, obviously like impossible for a human Mm-hmm. to fill but i just i long for more people in modern era again like j.i packer uh even though i don't always agree with john piper he is a scholar and a pastor and he may come to different conclusions than i do about certain stuff but the man is convicted about the truth of god and about loving god and mm-hmm. that's okay dallas willard um mark dever at capitol hill baptist in washington dc he's another guy that's just crazy smart but is doing great ministry. Yeah, I would Timothy Keller's Tim. Yeah. Tim Keller. How have I forgotten about him? Yeah. I love Tim Keller stuff. And again, another guy that's incredibly smart and teaches incredibly well. And I mean, he even errs on the very, uh, practical applicable side from time to time. But if you read his books, you get into the real, you know, um, just the majesty and mystery of God. Mm hmm. Yeah, and you know, I, uh, one of the things too that just stands out to me about this is it's about love, and I to, to that extent, I think I think sometimes we go overboard on the love means being nice and just <laughs> accepting things. And if you've been a parent, you quickly realize that that's not the case. If you really love somebody. You discipline them, you tell them the difference between right and wrong, you tell them no, because you know that there are bad things that can harm them. And so, um, I think we, I think love gets distorted uh, in our world today as to what it really means, because to love somebody clearly carries um, not just happy, touchy, feely everybody's happy kind of a thing. There's, there's also that, like I said, you know, from the perspective of a parent, there's discipline, there's, there's other things that go with it. I, uh, but at the same time, it does not say anything about, you know, um, being right, being correct. Um, you know, um, I think truth is important and I I think there is such thing as yes this is true and no that is not true and it's not all relative but it is not held up to to be the commandment um you know judging our neighbor is not in there uh, yeah exactly love your neighbor yeah and again I'm not saying those things aren't important but I think God's like I've got those things covered when it comes to you and it's like you said don't make it so complicated. When it comes to you, love God and love your neighbor. And it's a really good time of the year for that part to come out, to love your neighbor. Yes. Because I feel like there's going to be a lot of fallout from the election as far as when people, you know, react to whoever wins and how uh, certain parts of the church have reacted publicly towards you know, mm-hmm. certain candidates. I think it's an opportune time for loving your neighbor to be your number one priority. 
can tell out those other things. Mm-hmm. Slide. And I am as much talking to myself as I am <laughs> to anybody else, specifically about family members, you know? So, yeah, definitely. Uh, feel like there's a huge, to use a, a cliche, a lot of humble pie to be eaten in order to do either of these two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and, you know, it's just funny because, you know, there's, there are people that um, really in the time that I've known them have expressed very little political opinion to me. And it just seems like here lately, everybody has an opinion. Everybody sort of has a side and, uh, I hate to tell it to you folks, but really, you can be a Christian and vote for any of the candidates. I mean, it's <laughs> we're choosing a, and you're not stuck with the two big ones. No, that's all I'm gonna say. No, I'm not. I'm not voting two big ones. I'm gonna do a write-in candidate. So, uh, yeah. Um, sorry, we got sidetracked about the politics. That's my bad. But, but, I, but I, yeah, so I guess, and I am agreeing with you because I, there have been nasty, uh, politics have always been nasty in this country. Yeah. And pick up a history book if you think this is the worst one ever. I mean, uh, heck, for that matter, pay attention to the musical Hamilton. Um, we had a vice president shoot another man in a duel. Could you imagine that happening today? The vice president shooting. The, I mean, we get worked up because they talk about taking each other out behind the woodshed and fighting or behind the gym and fighting. It's like, no, they used to actually pull guns and shoot at each other. Uh, way, way worse. Read your history if you really think this is the worst. And, and the behavior that these two candidates are showing. Uh, America's not as great as you think it is, unless you you need to study your history. <laughs> I'm or, not saying it's th- that. That's probably what makes us great is our flaws, because because we continue to. I'm not even gonna touch we continue, that. We continue to evolve, but I'm, just, I'm not going there, Dave. I'm not doing it. No, I, I guess all I'm saying is is be. I encourage people to be more aware than just what's on social media. Cats. Cats they're are they're all over social media still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So I'm really tempted to try and pull some practical, applicable things out of this passage, but I feel like perhaps we should just consider these two commandments. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And just let people think about that yeah because guess what we really can't tell you what that looks like for you i have a hard enough tr- time knowing what that means for me mm-hmm. you know and I, the the one piece i will just that i just keep you know coming back to me in this is uh you know god the father jesus the holy spirit the trinity is eternal and before this world existed and before each other, before us as human beings existed, this is what the Holy Trinity was doing. I mean, there's a relationship between the three of them, and there's love being exchanged between the three of them. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's an element of, as Jesus is, is sitting there speaking and, and sharing this, 
there's there's kind of this firsthand knowledge of what it really means to love God uh, totally and completely, and um, even to love others in terms of uh, being in the Trinity. So um, I'm with you. I think we should let Scripture stand <laughs> and not try to put more in there than what we need to. All right. Well, that was shorter than I expected, but I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. We'll be back next time with episode 80. Mm, we're getting into a good decade, Dave. Big 8 Bye. Bye.